Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And again, Jesus entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near Jesus because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Verse 5, Mark 2. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, verse 11, I say to you, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this so in these scriptures we read a miracle that Jesus performed one of the miracles that Jesus performed when he was on the face of this earth Jesus came to Capernaum and he was he was inside the house of someone's house and people came to know and they all poured into the house and the house was fully filled and even the, nobody could enter through the door and there some, some friends found a man who was paralyzed. We don't know how long he was living in paralysis, but he was totally paralyzed. And they realized that if they could take this man to Jesus, probably he may get healed. And they lifted him up and they brought him all the way. As the door was fully packed, they climbed onto the roof and they removed the roof and brought that man down you know i don't know how difficult it was to remove a roof you know probably garden will know it's not going to be easy once you put a roof on top it's not easy for me or anyone to climb onto the roof and open the roof but i believe in those days the roof could have been probably easily removed so they removed the roof a little bit of space where they can bring this couch in front of jesus and they brought him on the floor lying made him to lie in front of Jesus you know many times when we read this miracle and of course Jesus performed the miracle and he started walking and his sins were forgiven and he raised and he walked away totally healed 
Many times when we read this miracle, or many times when we understood this miracle, we obviously understood this miracle from the four men who carried from their point of view. The four men who carried the paralytic. The helpless condition the paralyzed woman, sorry, the man was on that day. And the friends who saw, the four friends who saw him lying in that situation, he was totally crippled, he could not even walk. And these four friends, they were willing to help. And the friends, they had great faith in Lord Jesus Christ because, you know, they determined if I take this person to Jesus, he will heal him. They had such a great faith in God, in Jesus. And these friends, when they carried him towards Jesus, they were not really get, got intimidated by the obstructions they had in front of him. Nothing could stop them. You know, they climbed on the roof and get that man down in front of Jesus. Because, you know, one way was closed, one door was closed, and they could find another door through which, you know, they could bring this man to Jesus. They were so amazing. They were such an amazing friends. You know, we at times we appreciate the friends for their braveness. And also we appreciate the owner of the house because, you know, he was not saying anything. The roof was opened and he was not, you know, he could have prevented, you know, no, no, it's my house. You cannot open the roof. How can he do that? He didn't do that. So we appreciate. So we do all these kind of things, you know, when we read this miracle. But today we are going to take a different approach to this incident. I want to look at the whole situation from Jesus' point of view. And often we look at the situation from the four men's point of view, but now we want to look at the whole situation from Jesus' point of view. Jesus saw that there is a need, and he sensed the situation there, and he found that situation is a little opposing. The air was, the atmosphere was not in favor of them because the scribes were sitting there. They were always trying to find fault with Jesus because they did not believe that Jesus is Son of God. And they were trying to find fault with Jesus. So he sensed that in his spirit, in his heart. And so he saw the situation, he sensed that situation, and he responded with his word of hope. And that brought deliverance to the paralytic. So this morning I would like to title my sermon as See, Sense and Respond. Can you say that with me? See, Sense and Respond. We are living in a time we are required to see what is happening around us. We are living in a time that we need to sense the time that we are living in today. And we are, ex we are expected to respond to the needs of people. See, sense, and respond. That's what exactly Jesus did. That's what exactly the four friends did. They saw him and they sensed the situation of the paralyzed man. And they responded to that situation. In the recent past, coronavirus had totally changed our lifestyle. And it collapsed all our plans. You know, we had such a great plan. We had such a great plan when we started this year. But this virus collapsed all our plans. There is no doubt about it. And today if you see the world, it is no more the same world that was on the day when we started this year. It's not the same situation. Nearly three-fourths of a million people already lost their lives 
from the face of this earth. I wonder at this rate, at the end of the year, we may even reach one million people losing their lives. Have you ever thought of that? Has anybody conceived that in their minds when they started this year? You know, we believers, as we Christ followers, we believers of Lord Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility in our hands. We must see. We must see what is happening around us. We must sense the time that we are living in. And we are expected to respond to the needs of people as exactly the four friends were doing, as exactly Lord Jesus was doing there. Let's take some time to understand the miracle from Jesus' point of view and try to apply that in our lives. Number one, first of all, see. Jesus saw these four men bringing a paralyzed man in front of him. You know, Jesus did not get diverted. He, Jesus did not, you know, get away with his mission. You know, Jesus did not just continue to do his mission, only his mission, you know, ignoring what is happening around him. Jesus saw them. Jesus saw every one of them, those who walked into that house. You know, every time when he took time to perform a miracle, he looked into them face to face. He understood the situation in which they were living. You know, he knows every one of us, even the moment he, we walked into this presence of God, into the house of God, he knows. He knows every one of us. God knows every one of us. He knows our struggles. He did not get carried away just one day with his mission. Of course, he came to perform his mission, but he was a personal God. He was looking into each life. He was just looking into the man who was sitting at the, at the lying down at the, at the pool of Bethesda. Everyone was, got, everyone got individual attention from Lord Jesus Christ. He took time to understand their situation. And Bible says in verse 5, let's read verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw something beyond what we could see. He did not just see the four men bringing that paralyzed man. He saw their faith. And he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. You know, these four men saw the need of the paralyzed men. And they acted upon the need. And Jesus wants us to, you know, know and see what is going on around us. You know, do you know that there are people even living on the face of this earth? They don't know what the world is going through right now. They don't even care about all the tragedies that are happening around this world. They say that, you know, I don't really worry about anything happening. And as long as I'm taken care, as long as my family is taken care, you know, that's a real bad approach. Jesus wants us to see what is happening around us. Jesus saw the people coming into this house. Jesus saw these four men dropping the paralyzed man in front of him, opening the roof. And he went beyond and see the faith that these people had on him. You know, today, God is asking us to see what is happening around us. At times, you know, we cannot really behave as if we don't know any of those things that the world is going through. No, 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 we cannot behave that way. We are called to pray for the nations. We are called to intercede for the nations. And God has to burden us with that desire of knowing what people are going through in their lives. What do we see today? What do we see today? Just want to you know, help you here. We see the slowing and falling down of the economy. 
We see that with in front of our own eyes, with our own eyes, we see the economy falling down. The economists are predicting upon the coming economic crisis for the next 18 months. On July 30th, 2020, the Forbes magazine and New York Times say the American economy recently fell harder and faster than ever had before. The GDP, GDP is the gross domestic product, a measure of goods and services produced in a nation. The GDP fell down 9.5 percentage in the second quarter compared to the same quarter last year. So that means, which means 32.9 percentage annual contraction rate. So 32.9 percentage of the economy has fallen down. That's not really a recession. Uh, sorry, that's not really a recession. It is not even a depression. It is a catastrophe. You know, economy, we see the economy slowing down and falling down in front of us. We see the unemployment rates going high. 31 million people in the U.S. are claiming unemployment benefit at the end of July 2020. 31 million people are claiming unemployment benefits. There are businesses they are trying to open and in the midst of businesses getting open, there are businesses they are not there at all to reopen. They are gone. They close their shop. We see coronavirus is still plucking lives out of the planet Earth. More than 1,000 people are dying every day in the United States. More than 800 to 1,000 people are dying every day in India. Every day. 6,000 people are dying every day across the globe. Even today, yesterday, day before yesterday. We see here and we see and hear and hear about great tragedies and disasters and the loss of lives. Think about the last week's explosion in Beirut, capital city of Lebanon, killed more than 150 people and injured more than 5,000. They are still wounded. There are still people buried. That's similar to the one that took place during 1917, which killed 2,000 people and injured more than 9,000 people in Halifax. We also see and hear the flood situation in many, many parts of the globe. In July, the flood and landslide, leaving more than 100 people died, dead in Nepal, and few are still missing. God wants us to see what is happening around the globe. More than 100 people losing their lives in Kerala, the southern part of India, due to heavy rain and landslide. An Air India Express flight crash landed and it overshooted the runway and two days before, killing 18 people, including both the pilots, and relieving more than 100 people injured. Many more are happening across the globe. And do we see all these things that are happening on the planet Earth? Jesus not only saw the problem, he also saw something inside of people. You know, this morning I want to turn your attention. It's not just the life that we live. It's not just we see people outside. God is asking us to see something that hold inside of them. When we see people going through this tragedy and in the life situation, do we see the desire they carry inside of us the same as we have inside of us? Do we see the need of a savior for them to spend their eternity in heaven? There is a great void. Do we see the preciousness of souls? And lives are so precious. People are so precious. 
You know, sometimes we think that, you know, all of a sudden when we hear about these tragedies, you know, we say that, I want to go there. If God has given me an opportunity, I want to go there. I want to be there helping those people, those who are injured, those who are dying in the tragedy. If there is an opportunity, I would like to do that. You know, those things sometimes they may not be possible for us, you know, unless you work for a humanitarian agent like, uh, agency like Red Cross or uh, the one Nabilasha worked in Sudan. Unless you are part of that, there is no way you can go there and help people to recover from the tragedy. We can't do that, but you know what? Today God has blessed us with people around us. Our own family, our own friends, our church family, our community, our neighbors, new immigrants coming to this land, the refugees, foreigners, strangers, the people who are displaced, who speak our language, who do not speak our language, who are Christians and non-Christians. There is a great opportunity for us to love people today as they are seen every day in our lives. You know, God is asking us to see. God is asking us to see. We need the eyes to see the precious souls. You know, at times we get discouraged by seeing people from outside. Let's not look at people from outside. Let's look at the preciousness they carry inside of them. They deserve heaven. They deserve eternity with God. Jesus saw the faith inside of them and he wants us to see. Secondly, Jesus perceived in his spirit. He sensed that there is something wrong. Verse 5 says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Verse 7, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? They did not accept Jesus as God. As one member of the triune God, they did not accept him. And they say, who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 8, 5. But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, Jesus saw and then he realized, he sensed that inside of him, that they reasoned thus within themselves. He said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And then he said to the paralytic to rise and walk. You know, Jesus sensed what the scribes were thinking in their hearts because they were reasoning within them. Who has given him authority to forgive sins? First, Jesus saw their faith and now Jesus perceived or sensed in his spirit that there is something wrong. You know, not only to see but also to sense inside of us. And the question again, as we asked us, what do we see? The same question we are asking, what do we sense today? What do we sense today? What do we sense when we hear about the fall of economy, unemployment and the business closing down? What do we sense about the uncertainty that the world is going through and right now struggling to handle? The hopelessness is abounding everywhere. Don't you sense that we are living in the last days? We are still living in a very difficult time. Fear, anxiety, hopelessness, worry. 
We sense many things in our lives. And Jesus sensed that situation was not in favor of him and he had to make that clear to them, those who were trying to oppose him. You know, there are two things that we need to sense always. Just listen to me. One is the power of God and the other one is the power of evil. Can you say with me, power of God and power of evil. John chapter 10 verse 10 says, if you can turn to John chapter 10 verse 10, Bible says the thief, referring to the devil, he does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. The devil comes with an idea of stealing our joy, stealing our peace, to kill and to destroy. And Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. You know, we see a power struggle going on between good and evil, God and devil right from the beginning, right from the creation. There has been always a struggle between good and evil. You know what God is trying to do? Every time when God is trying to do something, the devil counters that. The devil counters that. God is trying to save as many people as possible so that they can go to heaven. God is trying to gain our attention. Listen to me. God is trying to gain our attention at times when such tragedies come upon the land. God wants us to turn back to God. You know, there are many times we ignore God. God wants us to pray. God wants us to come to church. God wants us to turn, to, turn back to Him. God is trying to prepare us to handle those days. God is teaching us how the days are going to be. Even in those evil days, how can we stand for God? How can we continue to do the things that we are continuing to do for God? God is also trying to convey the urgency. It's very urgent. The time is running. Time is running. That God wants us to, you know, be cautious. God wants us to see and sense. God is also trying to convince the need of the hour. We are living in a very crucial time. God wants us to know. But what the devil is trying to do? Devil is trying to destroy as many people as possible. You know, when such things happen, when such tragedies happen, many people may go to hell. They would have never known about Lord Jesus at all. And devil is very aggressive. <clears throat> he is trying to take as many as possible to the eternal hell. He's trying to make people busy always. Have you seen that kind of busyness that comes upon us? He's trying to make us always busy. He's trying to distract our minds so that we don't see God. You know, devil also does many things. He makes people more materialistic. He will make us to go behind blessings. You know, even if I log into Facebook and any of the YouTube channels, there are ministers of God, they keep saying blessing, blessing, blessing. They keep saying that and they keep promising and they can, they can keep praying for blessing, blessing, blessing. I see always more than 1,000 people, more than, you know, at times 2,000, 3,000 people getting crowded there, expecting that they can receive anything. You know, the begging mentality of Christianity should go. And God is working at this time and trying to seek our attention towards Him. You know, God wants us not to be selfish, but the devil is trying to make us so selfish so that we don't care about others. Devil is doing a lot of trick actually nowadays. 
You know, devil is trying to make people go insane. They don't know what is happening in their lives. They are so depressed. They are not in their own mind. You know, there is, there is so much the devil is trying to do on the people of God today. And God wants us to sense the time that we are living in. Number three, Jesus saw, Jesus sensed, and now Jesus spoke. God wants us to do three, three things. See and sense and respond. Let's not forget those three words. See, sense, and respond. Jesus said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. That's what we read in verse 11. The only one who could ever say such words of hope in the midst of despair, in the midst of hopelessness, was Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the reason why these four men carried the paralytic man and dropped him in front of Jesus, opening the roof, because they know Jesus can give hope to someone who is hopeless. This man's life was hopeless. He could have never gotten out of that bed. He could have died as a paralytic man. There is absolutely no hope at all. But these four men, they knew if I can bring him to Jesus, he can give hope. Now when every eye is focused on Lord Jesus Christ, they want to know what Jesus is going to do at this moment. Every eye is focused on Lord Jesus. Jesus said the words of hope. Jesus said, I say to you, take up your bed and go to your house. Excuse me. You know, they were not just words of hope. I believe they are words of authority. They are words of power. When Jesus said, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. I don't think any doctor will walk into the hospital bed and say these words. Come on, you have been in the hospital for so long. You just got out of ventilator. I think you are good now. Arise and get up and go. I don't think any doctor would say that. You know, I will see a power and authority in the words of Jesus as he spoke these words to that man. You know, they were not just words. They were words that give strength to someone. Those words strengthened his legs that he slowly got up and he went home. You know, his words are powerful. The word of Jesus is so powerful. When he speaks into our lives, there will be miracles. You know, before Jesus said, arise, take up your bed and go. Jesus said something in verse 5. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. Do you remember that? Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. You know, I tend to think that his, his sickness or the paralysis is something to do with his sin. You know, even today, certain kinds of sin can make people paralyzed. Certain kinds of drug, drugs can make people paralyzed. Second, certain involvement in certain physical activities will make us go paralyzed. And probably we don't know what kind of sin this man was involved in. Looks like this miracle requires two steps. Number one, his sins need to be forgiven. And Jesus did that first. How he did that? He told him, he spoke to them saying, your sins are forgiven. And secondly, there is a need for physical healing. And now Jesus spoke the word of healing. And he commanded him to rise from his bed. And he did. 
and he went home so blessed so healed it you know today this world is living in hopelessness today people around us are living in hopelessness the only thing that can give hope to them is the hope of eternity this morning i want to close soon just want you to listen to this from me before we close people are hopeless people are living a hopeless life and the only thing that can give hope you know no matter how much you go and tell them right now we will come out of the economy coronavirus will disappear from the face of this earth they will come out with a different answer saying what if after corona if something else comes up what will you do nothing else can satisfy them and if you talk about economy they know more than us and they will say what if the same thing happens to our nation what if the stock market collapses nothing else is going to satisfy them let's read this quote without hope of eternity this life is so short for us to live and get away from or get away from without hope of eternity this life is so short it's so narrow so little we have only a little time we don't know how many years in front of us nothing is guaranteed without hope of eternity this life doesn't give any meaning bible says if we have hope in god only for this life bible says we are miserable listen to me carefully we are richard if we have hope in god only for this life we are miserable don't follow god just thinking that we can be blessed on the face of this earth and bible says your life will be miserable if you think that you can get something from god if we follow god you know that's not the objective of jesus coming to this world we have eternal hope we have eternal hope you know this is it's not really worth following a religion for that matter it's not really worth following christianity or it's not worth following any leader of the religion because those things are temporary those things are temporary if we follow god our life continues in eternity if we follow jesus our life is prolonged into eternity because if we need to born in this world and live for a few years and die from the face of this world there is no meaning in life there is no meaning in life do not follow god only for blessings in this world it is not worth do love do not follow god only for protection in this world it is not worth it is important that our lives need to be protected for eternity jesus gives that hope because when he spoke this is what he said john chapter 14 verse 9 he said he who has seen me has seen the father he who has seen me has seen god because father and i are one jesus also said in verse 14 chapter 14 verse 6 i am the way i am the truth i am the life no one can come to the father except through me to give this hope jesus came down to this world the familiar scripture john 316 i want to read that again this morning because that blesses our soul shall we read that together for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life you know that is the only objective of jesus coming down to the face of this earth 
so that we may not perish on this earth. You know, this outer shell will fall and die, but our soul, our inner man is capable of living with him forever and ever. And God wants you to receive that hope today, the hope of eternity, the hope of eternal life. When four men saw the crippled man, they sensed the urgency and they responded to the need by carrying him to Jesus. And God wants you to respond to the need of others. You know what? I'm just going to end right now. Once we receive this hope, there are hundreds and hundreds of people living outside, around us, totally crippled, and they don't have hope. And we need to carry them to Lord Jesus so that they may receive hope. Exactly the same thing that four men did. They carried the man who paralyzed, and he, they brought him and put him in the presence of God. And so that he could heal, he could give him life. That's the reason Jesus came. God wants us to, once we have that hope inside of us, God wants us to go and tell outside, tell people that there is hope. There is life beyond, there is hope. First Peter 2 chapter, chapter 2 verse 9 says, But you are not like that. Peter is talking to us, for you are a chosen people. You know, none of us here, sitting here, none of us have come just, you know, here, by accident we are all chosen people because we are here today because god loves us so much i'm doing what i'm doing now because god loves me so much all of us are sitting here because god has such a kept such a great love on us we are chosen people we are royal priests that means we have kingship and we have a priesthood on us what a blessing it is we are kings and priests royal priests a holy nation you know, we don't, have, we don't deal with sin. We are called to walk in holiness, holy nation, God's very own possession. We belong to God because, you know, we are not going to disappear from the face of this earth. We are going to continue to live with Him. We belong to Him. We are His possession. As a result, what we should do? You can show others the goodness of God. Exactly same as the what the four men did to the paralyzed man. God is asking us to show that, show our goodness, show others the goodness of God, the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into this marvelous, wonderful light. Christian life is a selfless life. The moment you find hope, you're expected to share with others. You know, have you seen some of the birds, especially crow? I'm not sure, maybe. So once it finds the food somewhere, it is capable of, in, am I right? Okay, it's crow does that, or it just chases away. It does that, right? Yes? Okay, right, it, it, it makes some noise, and so then all the other crows will come in. Of course, they fight after that, right? So, so they invite everybody and they will share. Right, that's what is God is expecting in us. Once we know that hope, once we know, we are supposed to share that with others. What a joy to bring somebody into that hope. This morning, God is asking us to see. God is asking us to sense. God is asking us to respond. Just want to summarize. When the four men carried, when the four men, first of all, saw the paralytic man, they sensed the need, they sensed the urgency, and they responded by carrying him to Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he sensed the opposition, but also he sensed there's a great need. A miracle is important at this moment. And he responded with words of forgiveness and words of healing. God wants us to see the need of people who are suffering. 
God wants us to sense the time that we are living in as we deal with people who are not having hope. And he wants us to lead them to the one who can give, the only one who can give them the eternal hope. And this morning, God is expecting us to do that. Shall we all just stand for a moment as we close in prayer?